0: Welcome to A Reason for Hope. My name is Adrian and I'm in studio here,
1: live streaming from Calvary Christian
0: Fellowship of Tucson with our senior pastor, Scott Richards.
1: Hey everybody. How are you today, sir? Doing fantastic. Can't wait to jump on in.
0: Yes. (laughs) It's such a nice day today too. The weather has changed and we're loving it. And thank you for joining us. This is A Reason for Hope, a weekday Bible answer program where you, our audience, Listen in on the live stream on multiple social media platforms where you can ask questions about the Christian faith, the Christian worldview. Does God exist? Is the Bible historically reliable? Did Jesus really come back from the dead? And many, many other questions like that. So if you have a question on your heart about the truthfulness of the Christian faith or about a specific passage on what it means, how do we apply it to our lives, feel free to join us. on a reason for hope and ask those questions there are multiple ways you can do so you can join us on facebook we live stream not just this program but all our services there so if you want to catch us there if you have a facebook account just look for us or you can go straight to facebook.com forward slash tucson, listen on the live stream and we will look at the chat uh, section there during the broadcast and we will field questions as they come so this is kind of live, and uh, we're going to take questions as they come, as best we can. You can also catch us on YouTube. If you just search for A Reason for Hope on YouTube, you can also catch us there, and you can ask questions there, similarly to you as you can in Facebook. And uh, you know, we encourage you that if you have a question that's sincere from the heart, then ask away, and we'd be happy to take those questions. Now, if you want to avoid uh, social media altogether, you can go to our website, calvarychristianfellowship.com, and you can catch our live stream there we have a really uh, simple little watch live tab that you can go to and you can uh, not only leave comments and questions in the little chat box but you can also make prayer requests there's a little button there where you can uh, ask for prayer and we'd be happy to go before the lord on your behalf and uh, so we would encourage you that now if you want to sort of avoid social media altogether you can also email us directly So if you want to maybe ask a question that's a little bit more personal, you don't want your name broadcast all over the interwebs, you can just email us directly at questionsforhope at gmail.com. That's questionsforhope at gmail.com. Also, if you're part of our community, we have an app. You can go to the Apple or Google Play Store, and you can download our app by searching for Calvary Christian Fellowship of Tucson, and you will see that little red icon with the white dove. If you see that, that's us. You can download it. You can track our community events on our community calendar. You have a nifty little digital Bible where you can leave notes, highlight texts. You can also listen to all of our services. We have a Wednesday night Oasis services where we are currently going through the book of Ezekiel. And on Sunday mornings, we are currently going through the book of Acts. So we are a church that teaches through the Bible, uh, book by book, chapter by chapter, chapter verse by verse. So if you want to join in on that, you can, as well as this program is also uh, on SoundCloud. So you can actually listen to this program on the app. So I'd encourage you to check that out if you can. Last but not least, I'd encourage you to follow our senior pastor on Twitter or formerly Twitter. Now on the X platform, just uh, do a search for at Scott R4H. That's at Scott R4H on the Twitter webs. And you can follow along there you can even ask questions on this program we will check it out as we go through and we will uh, take questions as we get them before we do that though let's take a moment to have a word of prayer yeah that would be excellent let's do that
1: father we come before you we invite your presence here on this program thank you lord uh, that you are always with us but we specifically need you, Lord, to intervene and send your spirit to guide us into all truth as you promised he would do. Lord, we pray that that truth would reflect uh, the reality of a living relationship with you through your son, Jesus. And we would ask that your word uh, would be the uh, the uh, lamp unto our feet and light unto our path that you intend it to be, whether it's uh, getting a perspective on what's going on in this crazy world. Right now, uh, whether it's uh, making sense of what's happening in our own lives, whether it's uh, coming across a passage or two in the Bible that uh, we really need to explore more deeply to have clarity regarding uh, the amazing things that you're doing in our lives, the amazing things you have done in in Jesus' death. Uh, on our behalf and his resurrection and the amazing things that you will do lord as the time draws near we're going to see you face to face thank you lord that we have this blessed hope we pray that you through your spirit would uh, guide and direct and lead our conversation in jesus name amen
0: amen thank you well do you have anything you want to share before we get to the online questions
1: uh absolutely uh, we coming off a a pretty busy weekend as far as prophetically significant Mm. uh, information goes. uh, We are seeing uh, quite a bit of uh, a broadening of the conflict that is going on in uh, the the Middle East. Most of it, uh, and you read most of the news reports, it has a lot to do with what's going on uh, with Israel in the Gaza Strip, and quite a bit has been happening there. Evidently, uh, the Israelis and their uh, tank battalions have completed a maneuver that, in essence, has cut the Gaza Strip in half from north to south, which is a very important strategic milestone in this particular event. Now, we've uh, heard from uh, reliable sources uh, with the IDF uh, as well as commentators that we trust like Amir Safadi and others that uh, this is not going to be a, uh, a very fast operation. You know, when we think about uh, the six-day war that Israel got into, boy, that was over so fast, make your head spin. Mm-hmm. But this one, it's looking like it's going to be a question of uh, months, uh, if not a year, uh, in order to achieve the goal of completely wiping out Hamas and uh, their uh, terrorist infrastructure. But uh, that particular maneuver was uh, was very strategic. And uh, interestingly, as far as things being uh, branched out, uh, we can see that Iran, uh, the one who's pulling the strings behind not only the horrific and barbaric attacks uh, that took place uh, against uh, Israel from uh, Hamas. Uh, by the way, did you know that Hamas is the Hebrew word for wickedness? <laughs> Yeah, I was just listening to someone talk about that. A very ironic sort of thing to name yourself, I guess. Uh, But uh, the the bottom line, though, is that uh, not only is uh, Hamas being engaged in a very effective way, but the ones pulling the strings for Hamas, the Iranians, seem to be getting pretty nervous about it. Uh, The Iranian chief of staff, a fellow by the name of Mohammed Bakri, was quoted as saying today, if the Zionists want to behave sensibly, they must agree to a ceasefire immediately. Uh, The Iranian Ministry of Foreign Affairs says, we emphasize the urgency of reaching a ceasefire in Gaza and opening a transition for the introduction of aid to the Strip. Well, they're not really interested very much in aid to the Strip. If they were interested in aid to Gaza Strip, Uh, The Iranians would have used the influence they have with Hamas to, say, for instance, encourage the leaders of Hamas to, among other things, uh, use the millions of dollars that have been poured into this particular region, to, say, uh, develop uh, potable uh, sources of water. Um, A uh, study from the United Nations, UNESCO, determined that 12% of uh, the deaths of uh, Palestinian children in the Gaza Strip are due to contaminated water well why uh, is the water so contaminated uh, well it's because the leadership the government uh, of hamas in gaza uses the millions and millions of dollars including uh, millions of dollars earmarked for humanitarian aid to build terror tunnels tunnels uh, to use uh, say uh, agricultural uh, aid uh, and equipment uh, to convert it into uh, missile launching platforms and such uh, so, uh, the, the interesting thing is this, they're not interested in the fate of the average Palestinian. If you don't believe that's true, uh, consider these financial statistics. You know, uh, they say, follow the money, you mm. can find out what's really going on. Uh, consider some of these statistics. Uh, the musician Taylor Swift was in the headlines for officially becoming a, a billionaire. Last week, her net worth is 1.1 billion. Oprah Winfrey has long since passed that; her net worth is 2.7 billion. Donald Trump's net worth is between two to three billion. Uh, here's three other people that are in the billionaires club that you may never heard of before. A fellow by the name of Musa Marzouk has a net worth of three plus billion. Uh, Khalid Mashal has a net worth of three to five billion. Ismail Hania has a net worth of four to five billion. Those last three individuals that I mentioned are the three key leaders of Hamas. Now, if they were really interested in the welfare of their people, you would think they would take some of these billions of dollars that are under their own control and invest them in the welfare of the Palestinians there. Mm -hmm. But they do not. By the way, these three individuals do not live in the Gaza Strip, even though Hamas is headquartered there. Their particular headquarters is in the Gulf Arab oil nation of Qatar. And uh, very interesting, Uh, Gutter uh, not only provides them with luxurious accommodations, uh, governmental-level protections, uh, but uh, also is the home of Al Jazeera, which is a radically anti-Israel and anti-West media outlet. Uh, It's all going on out of that particular Mm. uh, avenue there. By the way, another interesting thing uh, about uh, Gutter is that Gutter is uh, a huge donor to Ivy League schools and universities. Uh, they, uh, if you wonder why, for instance, you're seeing huge protests at places like Cornell or Harvard or things along this line, it is uh, because Gutter is uh, contributing huge amounts to Arab Studies programs, and uh, along with this anti-Israel programs. And our old friend, George Soros, and uh, his uh, uh, so-called charitable giving has also invested over 15 million dollars to help underwrite and sponsor anti-israeli protests in major cities across the country so you follow the money and you find out what's really going on here bottom line is it's not about the palestinians people say Mm -hmm. well you know if if uh, the jews would just give the palestinians a state then everything would be fine right Uh, they need to do a ceasefire we need to negotiate a two-state solution well people don't realize that uh, the gaza strip is an example of the folly of just that sort of action because in 2005 israel gave the gaza strip which they took over in uh, the uh, yom kippur war uh, with egypt they gave it over to the control of the palestinians well what happened well immediately the palestinians by the way in order to do this uh, the uh, IDF, the Israeli Defense Forces, had to come in and forcibly evict Jewish people who had been uh, there for decades, who had created uh, huge agricultural expanses in that particular region. Uh, and uh, the, 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 the bottom line is that uh, after tearing all this up and removing all of these uh, so-called settlers from the region, all the uh, Palestinians did was tear up and destroy these uh, agricultural resources, these uh, state-of-the-art greenhouses and uh, irrigation systems, and uh, immediately elect Hamas to be the governing body that would control the Gaza Strip. And Hamas did what Hamas does. First, they got rid of their rivals, the faction of Fatah, Uh, which is the uh, governmental agency that controls what we would call the West Bank, uh, run by Mahmoud Abbas. It was a very bloody civil war. Kicked him out of Gaza and immediately began using all the resources that they possibly could uh, to uh, make it into an armed camp. By the way, uh, when people say, well, it's an open-air prison. And uh, the Jews keep the Palestinians trapped there. Some fascinating pictures coming out over the weekend uh, of the fact that there is a five-star hotel in Gaza City that is still up and running and operational. Uh, It is right there on the coast. uh, Pictures of people in central Gaza enjoying a day at the beach. Conversely, people in Israel weren't enjoying a day at the beach. They were constantly being uh, herded into fault to, uh, bomb shelters as a result of uh, sirens going off all over the nation. So, you know, when, when people talk about a ceasefire going on, and there's a lot of talk along that line, I think it's really fascinating that uh, once the damage has been done, once these horrific murders have taken place, including the beheading of children, Suddenly now we've got to come to a settlement. Well, one of the posts I put up on our Twitter feed that got quite a lot of uh, response was uh, there is no such thing as, quote, a settlement with people who behead infants. You do not have a settlement with people along that line. I guess to uh, put it in perspective, it would be the same thing as, uh, say, the uh, LAPD deciding to work out a settlement with the Manson family after the Tate-LaBianca murders. Well, maybe if we give Charlie a record contract like he's always wanted uh, and uh, give the Manson family members each a million dollars, they will behave and be nice. Well, no, we would not have done that. You cannot do that with individuals along this line. One person responded, uh, by the way, in that uh, particular conversation by saying that I was a victim of propaganda and that there was no evidence, none, to suggest that uh, Hamas had beheaded infants, to which I responded with a couple of clicks of my mouse, a report from the US Senate Foreign Relations Committee, which details Hmm. these atrocities. So there's no doubt about this happening. It's not the fog of war. It's not your side versus my side. It is civilization versus barbarism is really what it comes down to. Pure evil. Uh, Pure evil uh, on a Holocaust Nazi level. Uh, The United States did not uh, try to come to some kind of ceasefire and accord that would leave Adolf Hitler in power. Uh, The Jews cannot do the same. By the way, I'm not just saying this. Uh, I say, well, you know, this guy's probably one of those right-wing fanatics. Well, uh, no less a a representative of the other side of the political persuasion, uh, not right-wing in any sense. Hillary Clinton said the very same thing, Mm -hmm. that a ceasefire with Gaza was not realistic. It was not something that could ever happen. Wow. Uh, she was quoted as saying that earlier in the day. So a uh, very interesting question raised by our friend Amir Serfati about this. Ask yourself why it is so urgent for the Iranians to stop fighting in Gaza. If their master plan was a war on all fronts, then why ask for a ceasefire instead of throwing more forces from other air arenas into the campaign? Well, the, the bottom line is the campaign is not progressing as they planned, and their Gazan proxy Is suffering. They are worried about losing Hamas entirely down there, Uh, and uh, the uh, the response of the Jews instead of collapsing. In fact, I think this is what they were betting on. They looked at the division of the Jewish people, uh, the political divisions that were going on there, uh, the so-called weakness of the Netanyahu government hanging by a thread uh as far as the uh, judicial reform initiatives they were trying to take the the protests in the street which by the way were funded uh from uh, uh foreign sources and so on uh they thought well what a perfect time to attack they will turn on each other they won't respond well, all this has done is essentially uh unite israel to the point where they are making some very interesting maneuvers that are affecting the palestinian cause if you will across the board. One of them is uh, Israel's finance minister told Benjamin Netanyahu yesterday, I will not transfer tax money to the Palestinian Authority this month in light of its support for the Hamas massacre and its appeal to The Hague, that is to bring Israel up on war crimes charges. Mm. Uh, Demands, uh, he demanded an urgent cabinet discussion on the issue. Here's a clarification on this. Due to the Palestinian Authority's lack of statehood status, Israel is responsible for collecting customs and duties and other tax revenues on its behalf. It transfers transfers them to the Palestinian Authority government in Ramallah on a monthly basis, providing funds uh, that amount to 65% of the Palestinians' annual budget, which is roughly about $5.27 billion. The Palestinian uh, Authority has for decades provided financial compensation and other benefits to the families of terrorists jailed in Israel and martyrs killed while carrying out attacks against Israelis. Uh, These pay-for-slay programs, as they are known, cost the Palestinian Authority more than $300 million annually, or about 8% of its budget. Israel has said, we've had enough. You either uh, bring these things to an end, Uh, and uh, at the very least keep your mouth shut about this sort of thing and watch your people or it's going to hit you in the pocketbook. Deter another interesting front uh, before we uh, get on to the questions another uh, very interesting thing happening. Uh, We've talked a bit about one of the main reasons for this attack and why Iran has chosen to attack at this particular time was because Israel and Saudi Arabia were nearing uh, the completion of uh, Saudi Arabia entering the Abraham Accords, including a mutual defense pact between Israel, Saudi Arabia, and the United States. Iran and their ambitions in the region simply could not have that. And so one of the reasons that this attack probably took place was to scuttle these particular negotiations. And scuttle it, they did. They had a short-term gain, but it appears that there might be long-term pain. Uh, today, uh, we've talked about the Houthi rebels that are in Yemen. They are a wholly owned subsidiary of the Iranians. Mm. The Houthis launched a ground attack on the Saudi army today uh, oh. at, in their border area. It killed several Saudi soldiers. Uh, This is the first attack that the Houthis have launched against the Saudis in months. You might recall we've talked about on this program how Saudi Arabia through uh, the intermediary of China had uh, come to sort of a rapprochement with with Iran, which was utterly unprecedented, Mm -hmm. and seemed to put to uh, death any kind of possibility of Saudi Arabia and Israel having any kind of an accord. However, as a result of this, Saudi Arabia raised its alert level, and at the same time, the Houthis held a military maneuver today, including dancing and celebrating their attacks. Well, if the Houthis and the Saudis are now in attacks where Saudi uh, soldiers are being killed, uh, this tells me something about the state of things between Iran and Saudi Arabia. It is deteriorating rapidly. We have heard from the Saudi government that they are open to the idea uh, once the, uh, this, uh, the dust settles here to uh, reentering into talks mm-hmm. with Israel on reproachment. So wow. very interesting thing indeed. And of course, one last detail. We told you last week about a mysterious story that ran on several uh, reputable news sites, Sky News from Australia among them, Uh, that uh, Vladimir Putin was found uh, lying face down in his bedroom after suffering a massive heart attack. Uh, We haven't heard anything to confirm or deny this particular uh, event for days. uh, Over the weekend, Russia denied that Putin had a heart attack. And uh, again, uh, Vladimir Putin issued this statement. Our soldiers, the Russian army, are fighting evil in Ukraine and are determined are determining the fate of the entire world, and that includes the fate of Palestine. So, once again, it seems like Vladimir Putin is uh, back uh, doing what he does best, muddling waters, and creating controversy. Good news on this uh, particular day in Israel, uh, the IDF was successful in rescuing a soldier that was held hostage Ever since uh, the, uh, the initiation of the attacks uh, in, uh, on uh, October 7th, uh, this uh, particular soldier, a woman by the name of Ori Megdish, returned home to her family after a daring operation by the IDF and the Shin Bet, which is the rough equivalent of uh, the Israeli CIA, uh, for lack of a better term. Uh, President of Israel Herzog wrote, Our security forces operate around the clock in Gaza in the north and Judea and Samaria and everywhere else on land in air and the sea. Last night, our forces freed Private Ori Magdesh from Hamas captivity. Uh, Our good friend uh, Amir Serfati was saying that across Israel now, there is one thing that the ultra-Orthodox, the Orthodox, the conservatives, the secular Jews are all agreeing upon and all celebrating. It is the rescue of uh, this woman from captivity and uh, continued prayers for those still held in Mm -hmm. captivity, well over 220 uh, that uh, they would be released from captivity and uh, that uh, the uh, special forces and uh, these kind of operations, including from what I understand, Navy SEALs and the Delta Force, uh, working diligently to try to find out where these hostages are being held And to try to rescue them may be one of the reasons that we're seeing israel having the pace they are having as far as the invasion goes Mm -hmm. they want to give every opportunity for uh, these kind of hostages to be released and the fact that they were able to identify the location and be able to rescue uh, this uh, young woman who was a part of the idf is a very encouraging step in that direction Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, really interesting stuff. The other interesting things that, that happened over the weekend as far as our Twitter feed is there was a pretty big dust-up, a uh, major conservative uh, evangelical uh, individual mm-hmm. who I will not name, uh, made uh, the statement that uh, Israel as it's constituted today has no prophetic implications whatsoever, uh, wow. that this is not part of God's prophetic plan and made some statement about uh, the only way that this would be true is if all the 12 tribes of Israel came back uh, as one, and so on. Uh, I, you know, as a person that simply reads the Bible, I have a very hard time coming to that conclusion. Uh, the, the fact of the matter is uh, we see Israel miraculously uh, resurrected and brought back into the land. Uh, a number of miracles have to happen for this to take place. We've talked mm. about the uh, five generation rule that if you take any uh, people group, remove them from their place of origin and scatter them into other people groups, within five generations they're completely assimilated. Mm. They have no uh, sense of their original identity. Uh, you know, I, I've mentioned before, I've had the opportunity to meet uh, some of my distant relatives from Sweden at a family reunion. And uh, the ones uh, junior high age and above spoke better English than we did. Mm-hmm. And it was very interesting to interact with them and you know, to be able to speak with them. The ones junior high and below didn't speak any English. Mm-hmm. It was so bizarre to be looking at somebody that you're related to. And you, know, mm-hmm. you have to basically use sign language to be able to <clears> communicate <throat> with. Well, what does that tell them about me? It tells me that even though my ancestors came over in the early 1900s, I've been completely assimilated into American culture. Mm-hmm. You put me in Stockholm uh, without a the uh, translation program, I'm lost. Mm. I don't understand the culture. I don't particularly like the food. Uh, you know, I'm uh, a thoroughgoing American now. There's been one exception to that five-generation rule, and it's been the Jews. Mm. And it hasn't been because sticking together and holding on to your national identity as Jews was something that was easy. That was something that uh, would uh, cause you to uh, take the path of least resistance. Uh, the history of the Jews, wherever they've gone, has been one of violence mm-hmm. and bloodshed and persecution. Uh, and, and yet, and yet, they've not only stayed together, but they've come back to their ancestral homeland. Uh, there are arguments say, well, these are just people from Judah. That's why we call them Jews. Well, I'm sure people whose names are Cohen <clears throat> uh, or names along that line will be pretty shocked to hear that, because Cohen is the Israeli name for priest, which means that this particular family line traces their lineage back to the tribe of Levi, yeah, yeah. The, the tribe of the <clears throat> priests. Uh, people say, What about the lost tribes of Israel? They're, well, they're not lost. As far as God's concerned, He knows uh, who each and every one of them are. Uh, a lot of Jews in Israel would trace their lineage back. Uh, to the tribe of Judah, but not all. Any Jew you run into, his name is Benjamin, would tell you what tribe they Mm -hmm. came from, and so on. Uh, Naphtali Bennett, a prominent uh, Jewish politician, has that name, why? Because he traces his lineage back to Mm -hmm. the tribe of Naphtali. So, you know, when you hear things like this and kind of half-baked takes, going on, you dig a little bit under the surface and you discover that uh, the individual saying these sort of things, uh, there's a, uh, a line of theology, and I don't want to paint with too broad of a brush, but many who follow this line of theology simply don't like Jews. It's called replacement theology that states that all of the promises that God gave to the sons and daughters of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob have now been uh, taken away from the Jews and given to this entity that we are a part of called the church. Uh, and they will try to, you know, fold, spindle, and mutilate, and uh, proof text some passages mm-hmm. to support this. But they can't get away from the fact that Romans chapters 9 through 11, a plain reading of this tells yeah. us that uh, God is not finished with the Jewish people, and that the Israel that we see today is the first step of what we see in Ezekiel chapters 36 and 37 first the renewal of the land of israel after being abandoned for an indeterminate amount of time the land laying desolate then the jewish people being restored physically to the land but only after a physical restoration the famous valley of dry bones where you see uh, these uh, bones coming together and then uh, muscle and sinew and skin covers them but no life in them and then finally a second call for The spirit of god to breathe upon them that they might come alive again Mm. well a clear prophecy that there would be a physical restoration of israel followed by a spiritual restoration of israel so uh those who are uh, advocating these things i'm sure they've probably got their heart in the right place are not doing so out of a plain reading of scripture but probably because they already accept certain premises uh, off the top and those premises keep them in good stead in the particular theological neck of the woods they're a part of the particular churches that they are a part of but uh simply don't pass scriptural muster god is not finished with the jewish people and israel is probably one of the most outstanding examples of the hand of god and have a he- heads up as far as prophecy is concerned we find in the entire world
0: yeah, it's interesting too that in the book of Revelation, when the apostle is told to come, all you hear about for the rest of the book is Israel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, exactly. How do how do you deal with that if you really? Well, you have to spiritualize
1: it. Well, it doesn't mean what it clearly says. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is uh, spiritualization, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, these twelve thousand from the tribe of Judah and <clears throat> Benjamin and and yeah. so on, all the way down. Can't mean what it actually says because mm-hmm. reasons. Oh, look, a squirrel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that kind of thing.
0: Yeah, and like you said in Romans, I mean, you know, we've been privileged to be grafted in, not replaced. <laughs> well, and
1: this is where it gets a little dicey. Uh, the Apostle Paul warns the Gentiles that he was writing to to not become arrogant and boast against the branches. Mm. Uh, Because if God was able to break off branches of a olive tree with a rich root, that is the faith of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Mm. uh, and uh, graft in wild olive branches, which is a picture of of us Gentiles being a part of all that, he's able to remove us so that the uh, original branches can be grafted back in. Mm -hmm. So uh, I would be very, very careful. You don't want to mess with the Jewish people. Yep. you really don't uh, in fact we should be going out of our way to try to bless mm-hmm. the Jewish people had a fantastic opportunity mm-hmm. to share with two dear Jewish friend of uh, friends of ours over the weekend asking me questions like why do you Christians support Israel so much mm-hmm. and uh, you know just telling them flat out because you have an incredibly privileged position you're the mm-hmm. sons and son and daughter of Abraham Isaac mm-hmm. and Jacob and uh, God loves the patriarchs and he made yep. promises to your ancestors that he intends to mm-hmm. fulfill and uh, you know just saying, you're highly more privileged than I am
0: mm-hmm. you know I'm
1: just a kind of a Heinz 57 variety Gentile over here and God still loves me but yeah. you have this amazing heritage and uh, and they were they were so yeah. blown away by all of that mm-hmm. you know so taken aback so
0: I'm blown away on how many Jewish or I should say Israelites are coming to faith Right, it's unbelievable. It's unprecedented, even in the history, the short history of Israel becoming a nation till today. Yeah, it's all of a sudden. It, it's like all of a sudden, there's this huge boom in faith. Uh, people coming to their true Messiah. Yeah, it's really exciting. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, again, according to uh, uh, an article from our friend Joel Rosenberg, Lifeway uh, Polling Services did a survey. They estimate uh, that there are now over one million. Uh, professing believers in Jesus as the Messiah among Jewish people in this world out of a total population of 17 million.
0: Yeah, that's a huge percentage. That's yes. Probably more than you could say for a lot of uh, ethnic groups.
1: <laughs> well, or, or you know, even, you know, they'll say, well, you know, there's so many Christians, you know, based on the population of the United States, say 50 million uh, out of uh, 300 million, you know, one out of six versus one out of 17. But stop and think. Out of that 50 million, how many of them are lip service Christians or Mm. identify with being Christians because they go to church or their families are part of it. I have never run into Mm. a Messianic Jew who was half-hearted about it Mm. or was just going with the flow and decided to receive Jesus as their savior. That requires a radical decision Mm. on their part. Uh, So, you know, one out of 17 on fire, hardcore committed believers, um, look at the condition of the church today. Mm-hmm. Could we say one out of 17 professing evangelicals would fit the same description? Probably, probably, probably. <laughs> maybe one Very out close. of 17. Yeah. 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 yeah so.
0: And not to forget that <clears throat> as we're still in the church age, there's still a partial hardening that's going on. Yeah. That's what was predicted. So we should expect to be this to see this hardening. But as the, the day draws near, right? Uh, we will see an increase in, in faith. This right. really exciting. Right. Uh, Hannah had a question about uh, the rapture. Uh, recently, a deeply loved one baptized an adult asked me, what would be bad about not being taken up in the rapture? He noted that those remaining would need help being saved in the tribulation. I didn't know how to respond other than to warn that it would... Be really bad to be sure to call in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and not to take the mark of the beast and to prepare for martyrdom. But I didn't know how to answer what that mark would be. Please help with a better response. So if someone said, Well, you know, maybe if I did miss the rapture, it wouldn't be that big a deal because then I could, you know, come to my senses, repent, come to my come to faith, and uh, help those in the tribulation come to faith. Yeah, that,
1: that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that I, that's not a new dodge, if you will. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have a friend who works in the construction business in Southern California. He's got all these uh, great sayings. And one of them that he's learned in his business uh, opportunities, my friend Keith Mathias, uh, is this. There's uh, a lot of good excuses, but no good reasons. <laughs> uh, and, and I think this fits into that particular category is when someone says that, when they say, well, you know, um, sure, you know what you're saying sounds persuasive and boy, oh boy, if the rapture of the church happens and all these people disappear, then I will know for sure that this is true. And I'll make a decision to follow Jesus then. okay. Well, before you do make an informed decision, uh, in the book of revelation, chapter seven, for instance. Uh, The Apostle John is shown this uh, huge amount of individuals that are around uh, God's throne. And uh, one of the elders answered, saying to me, These are arrayed in white robes. Where do they come from? And I said to him, sir, you know, And he said, these are the ones who come out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. They are therefore before the throne and serve him day and night in his temple. He who sits on the throne, will dwell with them. They shall neither hunger anymore nor thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them nor heat for the lamb is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them to fountains of living waters and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Now notice where we find all these people coming out of the tribulation period. They're before God's throne, which means they died. And in Revelation chapter six, for instance, we see there are a group of people in heaven who are beheaded for their testimony of Jesus. We're told in Revelation chapter 13, when the Antichrist brings in his one world economic system, that the way you enter into it is by worshiping the image of the beast and receiving his mark on your right hand or your forehead. And this particular image is given life, maybe like some sort of AI on steroids, uh, that would cause all who would not receive this mark to die. So when someone says to me, well, you know what you're saying is pretty persuasive, but I'm not really ready to make a decision yet. Uh, I'll wait till after the rapture and uh, then I'll make a decision. Well, two things I would say to that person, and maybe this will be helpful for you. First of all, if you're not willing to live for Jesus right now in what we would call an age of grace, Mm. an age where at least in our society, the worst kind of persecution you're ever gonna get is uh, someone not inviting you to a party or calling you an idiot or using all kinds of colorful language to describe you on the interwebs. Uh, If you're not willing to live for Jesus in this age of grace, What in the world makes you think you're going to be willing to die for him merely because millions of people disappeared? I mean, if you want proof positive that Christianity is true, I think equally or more persuasive in my mind that it's true, then do yourself a favor. Look into the evidence, the historical evidence for the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, particularly his resurrection from the dead. All the evidence necessary to make an intelligent decision, not a leap into the dark, but a step into the light, is contained Mm. in the fact that uh, Jesus' resurrection is based on history. It's bolstered by eyewitness testimony. The riddle of the empty tomb has only one credible answer to it, that Jesus rose from the dead. The disciples' lives overwhelmingly changed. These individuals who at one point turned tail and ran to try to save their lives, cowards of the first level, uh, being willing to die brutal, grisly deaths, not for a philosophy or a feeling, but for the fact mm. that Jesus rose from the dead, a historical fact. That is what the mm. essence of the Christian message is all about. Uh, that we look at Old Testament scriptures that foretold this very thing would happen, and then you can talk to believers like you or me, Adrian, whose lives have been radically changed by a personal encounter with this risen Jesus. Um, that's pretty persuasive evidence. I would say that's equally persuasive as to a bunch of people vanishing. But the other thing that I would say uh, to this person uh, is, uh, you know, this is sort of an analogy, so bear with me. Well, after that resurrection from the dead, Satan decided to uh, call a meeting with his top three tempters. And he goes, oh, brother, uh, Jesus died and he rose from the dead. And and now uh, all these people are coming to know the Lord. Boy, you know, we are, are, are really in a, in a pickle. We've got to come up with some way to persuade people not to receive this message. And so uh, what, do you, what do you guys got? You, you're my top three tempters. What do you think we should tell people? And uh, the first tempter says, well, I know what we'll tell people. Uh, we'll, we'll tell people that there's no heaven and that this is it. And Satan shook his head. No, no, that's never going to work. God's placed this idea of eternity in the hearts of people. We, we, we know where uh, people know they're made for more than just this life. They'll never believe that. And so the second time says, well, okay, I'll tell them there's no hell. And Satan goes, oh, you idiot. Come on. People have this innate sense of justice in this world. They they, they realize that there's going to be a judgment someday. They don't think they're going to be judged, but, but, but they know that there's going to be a hell out there someday. That'll never work. And the final tempter was just sitting there filing his long black claws and kind of smiling. And uh, Satan says, well, what do you got? He goes, well, I won't tell him there's no heaven. I won't tell him there's no hell. You know what I'll tell him? There's no hurry. Hmm. Satan said, perfect. Hmm. That'll work every time. And, you know, I think your friend is kind of falling for that no hurry kind of a thing. And uh, if the rapture happens then, I'll make a decision, but you know, the Bible tells us something. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart Mm -hmm. because practice makes perfect. And every Mm -hmm. time we hear the message of Jesus and we say, no, 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 uh, I'll do that later. Or no, 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 I'm I'm not ready right Mm -hmm. now. Our heart gets a little bit harder Mm -hmm. and finally it becomes harder, hardest, and finally too hard to even be able to change that's why God says today if you hear his voice Mm -hmm. don't harden your heart that this is the day Mm -hmm. of salvation if you're out there and you're interested enough to watch a podcast like this but you haven't made a decision to receive Jesus as your savior may I say to you that this is your day and uh, it's not something you got to wait to go to church to do it's not something that you have to wait for some mountaintop over-the-top experience to have happen You know, the Bible makes it very, very plain. Jesus said, whoever hears my words and believes in him who sent me has eternal life. He will not pass into judgment, but has passed from death Mm -hmm. into life. The Gospel of John says, but to as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. It's a question of believing in Jesus, putting your faith and trust in him, believing that he died for you, believing that he is God in human flesh and that he rose from the dead in a moment of history so that you could be saved. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10 says that if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, we will be saved. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you've never made that decision, just in the privacy, quietness of your heart, just to ask God to save you. Tell him personally that you believe Jesus died for you and that you put your faith and trust in him. Ask him personally to forgive you for your sins and the things that have separated you from him and if you do that and ask him to come into your heart he will jesus said behold i stand at the door and knock if any man hears my voice and opens the door i will come into him and dine with him and he with me dining being a, a picture of the most intimate kind of fellowship you can have so uh, if you're out there and you haven't made that decision or you're not even sure if you've made that decision or not uh, wherever you are just call on the lord through prayer and uh, he will answer respond to that prayer and if you need a little help getting going and growing in your walk with God uh, we would love to get you a package of information it's called our new believer survival packet That can get you up and growing and going in in your new uh, Christian life it's also a good thing to tell somebody that you made that decision Uh, Jesus says if you confess me before men I'll confess you before my father in heaven that'd be one of the first great things you could do after putting your faith and trust in jesus telling somebody you made that decision so let us know you can do that online let somebody in your family know um if you're in tucson you can come by calvary christian fellowship of tucson uh this uh, next sunday we'll be having a water baptism great way Mm -hmm. to make a public declaration of your faith in christ that's available for you as well but uh, if you prayed that prayer in the sincerity of your heart welcome to the family of god
0: Mm. amen that's Couldn't have said it better myself. And thank you, Casey, for the kind comments on Facebook. Really appreciate that. Came to our Friday night Harvest Festival. Uh, Someone asked a good question on YouTube. Speaking of, uh, and thank you, Hannah, for that question. That was a really great question, but this kind of is a good dovetail. Uh, Holly wanted to know, what are some good ways to get involved in evangelism?
1: Well, you know, I think... uh, The fact of the matter is we, first of all, Holly, need to realize that we are involved with evangelism, whether we realize it or not. Uh, Jesus said about us as his people in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. You're the salt of the earth. Uh, Just the fact that Jesus lives in us, uh, the changes that Jesus makes within us, the fact that we walk in the love of God, the fact that we believe his truth uh make us first of all exhibit a uh i think it's really fascinating that in acts chapter one and verse eight jesus said you shall receive power when the holy spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses in all jerusalem judea samaria the othermost parts of the earth now notice jesus didn't say you'll do the work of witnessing you'll be a witness you'll be exhibit a and you know one of the great ways i think we can be involved with evangelism holly is to walk in a healthy growing relationship with jesus demonstrate his love in our relationships mm-hmm. demonstrate his ethics and the way we deal with with other people that he has changed our lives and then wait for those opportunities that will come where people will say why are you so different why do you seem to have such peace in your life you know why, why is it that you seem to love people who give you a hard time uh and when somebody asks you that question why are you're so different you can tell about the difference that jesus made you can share your testimony how you came to know the lord and the and the difference that he's made in your life mm. uh, you know uh, again adrian because uh, your background with uh, canvas for crusade for christ now crew uh you know that uh you know they teach you how to put together a testimony what were the pointers they would give you on mm. having a succinct but effective testimony to share
0: well they would say something like well after." you know, analyze your conversion experience. What was your life before you came to faith? And maybe spend a minute or two on that tops. You know, just kind of describing, well, when I was not a believer, this is kind of what characterized my life. What was your conversion experience? What led you to faith in Christ? Was it the influence of a friend, something someone something that happened in your life? Right. What occurred that caused you to make that supernatural transition? <clears throat> and now, what is your life like? Spend another minute on that. Uh, on what is your life now that you are a Christian? What is that like? What is what has what changed? What made the di- what is what has been different since that conversion? And that's really the essence of sharing a personal testimony: is this is who I was before Jesus, right? Here's how I found him. Yeah. And here's why, who I am right now.
1: The past, a personal encounter, mm-hmm. and what the prospects going future, yeah. the change that Jesus. Mm-hmm. Has made and uh, you can share all that what in three minutes yeah
0: the idea is spend a minute on each each tense (laughs) (laughs) and uh, and you've shared your part you've you you are now a witness not just in your life but you're also proclaiming or testifying as to uh, what God
1: did in your life yeah and uh, again just telling people that this Mm -hmm. is what Jesus has done for you is such a powerful thing we we really undersell that Uh, you know the the follow-up questions that come from a testimony along that line or where we get the opportunity to be able to share some of those Mm -hmm. basic scriptures like you say well god you say god loves me how do i know that well this is what jesus said for god so loved the world Mm. that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life you just have that one out of your belt holly Mm. you got everything that a person needs to uh, answer a really important question does god love us yeah he does how do we know because Jesus died mm. for us, what should we do in response? Believe and trust in him. Mm. You know, and just say, have you ever come to a place where you put your faith in Jesus? If yeah. not, would you like to do that right now?
0: And I really, I'm really glad you emphasized having a vibrant walking relationship with God now, it's like developing that, instituting those spiritual disciplines in your life that will make you more like Jesus, because that is God's ultimate goal for you and I, is to become conformed to the image of his son. And being part of a local church, a a local Bible-believing church, is essential because there are no Lone Rangers. So as you're growing in your faith, being involved, just being present and actively involved in a local body of believers is another very important part or aspect of being involved in evangelism because the more you are a part of a community, that community then becomes the light and salt of the earth. And, uh, And then from there... Uh, you you know the church can become more mobilized as as a community as a group uh, to be that witness in whatever circumstances they're in whether they're in an open country like the west where you're free to do evangelism or if you're uh, locked into a more difficult part of the world where you have to be more careful about what you say because your life is endangered just by the fact that you are a Christian uh, uh, being a part of that community is very also very essential.
1: Yeah, absolutely
0: well um
1: but you know the other thing i would just emphasize is sharing your faith holly isn't rocket science you know sometimes people oh you know after i've been a christian for about 10 years then i'll be able to share with somebody else. i think the most effective evangelists are mm. people that are just discovering how cool it is to walk with jesus mm-hmm. they can't keep it to themselves yeah, right. you know I, and uh you know a great analogy along this line is uh, when i first started dating my wife pam right uh, I remember calling my dad and saying, "Man, I met this this wonderful woman, and and I mean, she works with these handicapped kids, and they all love her. and And Dad, uh, she goes running with me, and she laughs at my jokes." My dad said, "Marry her," <laughs> <laughs> you know. And I was so excited to tell my dad because I was so excited about this relationship. You know, could you imagine how weird it would have been if, uh, say, I'd been dating Pam for over a year, and my dad says, "Well." Uh, what's your social life like these days? Well, kind of seeing a girl. Oh, really? You didn't tell me that? Well, you know, I really don't like to talk about it because, you know, there's some people out there that, well, they don't even like girls. And there, there's other people out there that uh, have had some bad relationships in, uh, before, and and, I, and if I was telling them I had a good relationship, they might they might really be offended. And uh, you know, I just don't want to you know uh, offend other people. You don't think like that, do you? Mm. You know, when, especially when you just are so blown away by how wonderful this person is, you can't wait to bend everybody's ear about it. Yeah. You know, and, and the same thing is true in our relationship with Jesus. Sometimes they, go, oh, there's atheists out there. Don't believe that a relationship with God is even possible. Oh, there's people who've had bad experiences with church or cults, or maybe people are going to think I'm weird or something like that. You you know, you can uh, over, you know, it's paralysis by analysis, I guess mm. would be the best way to call it. But, you know, if you just get caught in the act of being in love with Jesus, people are going to see it and people are going to want to know.
0: I, and I, re- I really appreciated, well, some time ago, an atheist, uh, another illusionist um, named Penn Gillette, uh, shared a story of this man who gave him a bible and he was just so taken back by this guy uh, his demeanor his humility and he just kind of bragged about this guy even though he rejects the christian faith he rejects the idea that god exists he was touched by this man giving him this bible and then he said something along the lines of and i'm not quoting because i don't remember exactly how he worded it that if i really if i really believed the words of this book i would crawl on my hands and knees over broken glass to share it with everybody I possibly could, if I really believed what was in here, that this was the truth, that this is what would happen when I face God in judgment without a Savior. Uh, I think as far as motivation is concerned, uh, that thought alone should motivate all of us to just love Jesus and allow Him to be a witness through us.
1: Yeah, and and not make it a big guilt-trippy thing, you know? I, I I mean, You know, just think about any other relationship Mm -hmm. that you have, you know, like saying, well, gee, you know, I got to man. If I don't tell somebody how wonderful my wife is today, Mm -hmm. might get back to her and then she might get mad at me. And, you know, if I have that kind of attitude about a horizontal relationship, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do the minimum. Mm -hmm. I I really will. I'll just do enough to get by, Uh, you know, and 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 that's the problem. Sometimes we Mm -hmm. get guilt tripped into sharing our faith, like, uh, you know, you listen to a Keith Green song, like a sleep in the light. And how could you be so numb not to care if they come? You close your eyes and pretend the job's done, you know, and, and I'm all for a word of exhortation, but I've seen too often that when people will be guilt tripped into evangelism, they'll do the minimum. You know, like they'll hear a convicting sermon on it, they'll go to work the next day, uh, they'll, they'll come up to somebody around the water cooler and say, you wanna hear like hear about Jesus or anything like that? And they go, what? They'll go, oh, okay, I, 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 did, yeah. I did, I did, I tried. They weren't open. And they did the minimum. Yeah. yeah. And, and people kind of know the other side of it, is if you're guilt tripped and you're sharing because you're under a guilt trip, you're not sharing because you care about them. You're sharing because you care about you. Mm-hmm. You care about not feeling guilty mm-hmm personally and people see through all of that mm-hmm. so really important yeah. for us to remember like the apostle paul said in second corinthians chapter five the love of christ constrains us mm-hmm. having concluded that one man died for all therefore all died in other words mm-hmm. man uh, the, the reason i'm sharing this is because i've been touched by the very love of god and i want other people to experience mm-hmm. that love just like i do
0: And you really live that out and experience it on a more genuine, more powerful level when you are involved, actively involved in a community of believers in a local church. Because Paul's love for those people is what uh, continued to push him to be poured out as a drink offering. It was not just his love for God, that was what uh, springboarded him into ministry, but also, uh, his love for his fellow believers, his right. love for the saints. Right, I'm willing to do this just because I love you guys. Well, you can't love people you don't know. <laughs> so... yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Exactly, exactly.
0: I, I uh, if I don't, if you don't mind, Scott, I'll do a little sh- uh, shameless plug. But we've been in our our uh, parachurch ministry that that I'm involved with. Um, I've been building a Bible learning center to, as far as the question of, well, I don't know what to say. How do I? learn what to say. uh, I've been building the website side of it, and Dr. Don Byerly, our president, has been doing the teaching, but uh, uh, if I may show uh, or pitch that, if that's right with you, it's just Faith Search Learning is the name of the website, and uh, we're kind of in the beta testing side of things, so if people want to take a few, all the courses are free, everything's free, but uh, if you want to uh, learn some of the basics of how to share your faith, about how to grow in your faith, feel free to go to faithsearchlearning.org and check it out.
1: Yeah, that would be excellent. Yeah. We don't mind those kind of shameless plugs. Got time for one more?
0: Uh, Yeah, we do, but uh, we don't have (laughs) any (laughs) more. Oh, here we go. Um, Mike just popped in. Mike Hill, why is it that a person cannot overcome a certain sin despite repentance, prayers for help, and strength, et cetera, while others get a radical deliverance and are changed and filled with God's love? So Mike Hill wants to know— How do we overcome certain sins, and why do some of us struggle repenting, even though there's maybe a desire to to not uh, sin in that way? Well, and and
1: I guess maybe the question underneath it is, why is this other person instantly delivered and I'm not? Um, You know, I think what it comes down to is Ephesians 2.10, that we're his workmanship, Mm. created in Christ Mm. Jesus for good works. The word workmanship means we're his poem, his work of art and uh, god doesn't uh, cookie cutter us he doesn't stamp us out he does a unique work in all of our lives certain areas of sin in my walk with god mm. man went almost overnight but then there were other areas of sin where i see, saw that god had to get down to the roots mm. if you will to really be dealing with stuff and uh, the longer you walk in with the lord you realize that those root issues are the things mm. that god is really getting at man let me encourage you as long as you're struggling as long as that's an issue for you you're on the right track mm.
0: Good, good question, good advice. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Dave Robson will be back in studio tomorrow hosting and uh, we hope you can join us. Thank you for the time and God bless you. You've been listening to A Reason for Hope. Thank you again for joining us as we continue our journey through God's word, one question of the heart at a time. Until we meet again, we would love to connect with you. You can text or email your questions to questionsforhope at gmail.com. You can also find out more about our ministry at calvarychristianfellowship.com. And be sure to join us next time on A Reason for Hope. A Reason for Hope is an outreach ministry of Calvary Christian Fellowship in Tucson, Arizona.